the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided our world has become? We desperately need stories of peace and healing. We find the bridge builders across the globe who are stepping into the divides of culture and bringing understanding, compassion, and reconciliation. And now, here's your hosts, Jonathan Sanborn and Lisa Jernigan. Well, welcome to Counterculture. It's always a privilege, Jonathan, to sit here with you. And it's a privilege for me, too. I'm, the sun is shining. I got a spring in my step. Are you ha- highly caffeinated? Yes. <laughs> I mean, very much I, I so. I love it when you're highly caffeinated. Because you just, <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> you turn on the radio, boys, right? Yeah. I love it. Now we've got my mojo. There we go. My mo a Joe. I know. Well, uh, you know, a lot of people listening to the different times of the day, so sometimes they need, like, I need somebody that's kind of uplifting to have some energy mm-hmm, in their voice, mm-hmm. right? Because right now I'm dragging. So, yeah. um, so we encourage you to go grab a cup of coffee right now or <laughs> whatever right. you're doing. And we're going to, we're going to keep you engaged because we have a fantastic guest. We today. do. We do. And I can't wait to meet her because it's Jessica Pierce, the one and only. Hello, Jessica. <laughs> yeah. Hello. I, well, and Jessica, one and, uh, one and only for one sure. One and only. Right? <laughs> That's a great thing. I'm saying that sometimes people yes. are like, really? The one the one and only, right? Mm-hmm. And you know what? I have followed her career, and mm-hmm. I use that word because she's going to talk. Um, but just her, how she's lived her life, how she has created something from scratch that's benefiting people. And we're going we're gonna to kind of peel back the onion of her story a little bit and hear what that looks like. But Jessica has been a community advocate for and engaged in our community for over 15 years. And she founded as the CEO of Career Connectors. And we'll kind of unpack what that, what Career Connectors really does for our community. But you work with a lot of churches. You work with a lot of organizations. You're trying to really create something sustainable to help people, those on the margins, really be able to live life to the fullest. Yeah. Right? And sure. see themselves as a person of dignity. Mm-hmm. And I, that's what I so appreciate about your work. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. Yes. Are, you sound like an old pro on radio. Oh, yeah, definitely old pro. Yeah. yeah. Well, she's, she's done a few media things in her day, right? Uh, she's got the sa- I can tell she's got the savvy. Right? Uh, oh, she does. Oh, good. And, and the sparkle. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was I, always taught, fake it till you make it. That's right. It's working on us. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> right. It's going to be good. Yeah. It's going to be good. I could have just picked you up at the Arby's. <laughs> oh, but now you're, look at you. Beef and cheddar. Delicious. <laughs> Curly fries, right? Yeah, yeah. I got the whole thing. With the cheese. Yeah. And any, any Arby's franchises, if you want to sponsor our show, please contact please me. Do. Please do, right? That is so great. So great. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, okay, I'm going to dive in because mm-hmm. there's so much I want to talk about. And yeah. There's so little time. And I think you're going to, you're an incredible storyteller, but you have an amazing story that mm-hmm. is kind of transpired. It started 10 years ago. It's kind of happening now. Um, but I wanted you to be able to share that along yeah. with what you're doing. And I, so I want to ask this question, and then it kind of goes into your story. What are some of the things that make a difference when somebody is working hard to move out of poverty? Mm-hmm. We, we talk, you know, we talk about counterculture. How do we see people, especially those on the margins? Um, where is the church overlooking? What people groups? Um, is We talked earlier in the show, it's like, is the gospel good news for people living in poverty and for those on the margins? So can you yeah. help us with that? Yeah. You know, the reality of poverty for a large majority of America comes with one paycheck. People are one paycheck from not being able to pay their bills, from moving into homelessness, from being in poverty. And so those are even people that were not raised in poverty. Mm -hmm. And so you think about that one paycheck away. So somebody loses a job, that could be one paycheck away um, if they haven't gotten either unemployment or severance or whatever it is. Um, And so a job, that's when I started this work, I realized that's what people need. Not just a job, not just, you know, a part-time cyclical kind of job, but like a living wage job. Mm -hmm. And so this is what we're talking about. People that are in, um, are raised or grow up in, uh, underserved communities we as the church, as um, believers, really need to come alongside of people. And, uh, you know, one of the things we're kind of talking about is it's not so much just handing them money, but it's really coming alongside of them to navigate the system for to get their needs, um, to help them with their needs, but also how to get a living job, a living wage job, but also have the support structure around that. So if it's a single mom with a co- with a couple kids, she goes to work. What what happens to her kids? Where do they go? You know, or one of her kids has some disabilities. What what do we do? How do we support that person? So it's not just a job, though. That's a mm-hmm. foundation. Uh, but a living wage job and having the additional support structure and resources to get that mom to change the legacy of her family. She looks at her kids and goes, "You're not going to live this way." You're going to have a different story. And mm-hmm. how do we, as uh, Christians, say we can help them navigate that and connect them to a good job? So there, I want to. I love this. This is you're speaking my language. Mm. Uh, there is a school of thought that thinks that if people just saved mm. enough, that we wouldn't have all this problem. Because you use the one paycheck and you led with that with poverty and and, but there are there are those who would push and say, well. If they had just not spent so much and just saved, then there wouldn't be this problem. But how many people, <laughs> I think, how many people don't even understand save? So you can save and save and save, fine. Yes, some people can do that. But some people grow up in a, in a community, they, didn't, they don't even know what that means. There was a young girl that I've been working with for the last 10 years. And when I first met her, she was a dancer at a strip club. Okay, don't ask. You know, I was there with the ministry. But I was part and met her and she said to me, I met her for lunch after and we were developing a relationship. But she said to me, I said, why, why are you here? 
like what why are you, why is this what you're doing and she said well you know she was uh, at the time 20 21 she said well my dad told me that i could either sell drugs or i could dance for a living those were my options and i was like that's what she was what? taught in the home. That's what she yeah. was taught when she was 16 years old. Wow. And so that's all she knew. There was no other option in her life. Mm-hmm. And it, it shook me to my core in that moment. I will never forget that moment because I thought, okay, my kids don't know that world, right? Of course. But I, I'm only looking at it through the lens. Uh, up to this point, I'd only really been looking at it in the lens of um, my what my experiences were mm-hmm. and uh, my kids or, you know, I, of course, I served at church and I served in various places, but I never got to know somebody that was really in this community. And I thought, that can't be real. That can't be what a dad tells his daughter. And that is absolutely the truth. Mm-hmm. And that is very typical for different communities. Mm-hmm. And so she didn't even know the word save. <laughs> She started uh, meeting, uh, having some kids. So she has had, has four kids now. And, you know, uh, even saving for her wasn't even, she didn't know how to save. And so we helped get her some training and get out of that for a period of time. But she went back to it for a little bit here and there because that's all she knew. She needed a little bit more money and that's what she did. And so um, she's, you know, we have her on a different trajectory now, but, um, it's not just about save a dollar and you'll mm-hmm. never get there again. Mm-hmm. It's just not. And, and people come up with a lot of different things that uh, affect them. It could be an illness. Um, it could be they're suddenly single and with kids or there might be, they might be widowed or whatever the situation. Domestic violence. Domestic violence. And that yeah. was her story at yeah. the, towards the end with her four kids. And so like now she's, on the right track because it got to a domestic violence situation and had no money, but had needed help navigating the system. And she's on the right path finally. Mm -hmm. But yes, we don't know people's stories or why they're there. Um, Sure. Maybe some people are irresponsible and not saving. And uh, that's true. That Mm -hmm. can happen. But um, there's a big majority of people. a lot more than to the story than than that. Well, what do we tend to do is label all people that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. It's, it's a lump sum instead of seeing individuals going, not everybody does that, right? Yeah. And not everybody can or knows how to think. It's been taught. Right. And so, again, how do we teach people? And, and the one of the big things that's come out, like when we were having a conversation, is just advocating for somebody. Yeah. If one person advocated for an, just one other person, just think what we could do in our mm. community. Imagine the impact of every single person in the Christian community choosing to help one person advocate for them over a period of time. Mm. And I'm not saying give them a check. Uh, That can be part of it, maybe. But like this, they're your call. So this young girl that we've been working with didn't have a parent to call when she needed help with navigating her kids, getting them into a new school. Like she didn't even know what to do. Mm. All I had to do was say, here's the phone number to call. Here are the 10 questions to ask. Mm -hmm. And she goes, oh, my gosh. I didn't know. How would I have done this? That cost no money, but that was someone she trusted and could rely on. And now she's getting her kids enrolled in a new school in a new area to have better influence on her kids. So they're not just seeing, you know, 
what they've seen in the past. They're going to a school in their area, but that's an A-plus public school that has all the for and after school care, all the stuff she needs to be able to provide for her kids while she's at work. Mm. That's... That just took 10 minutes of my time. And so we, what if each of us chose, found somebody in some way that needed some support? And unfortunately, we we know a lot of people that kindness, they're giving, but what about the big picture? It's it's so much of it is about time, our time, given, uh, being able to give our time to people that need it. And so I think one mistake a lot of people make is that poverty is only about money. Mm-hmm. But re- what no. the both examples you've given is poverty is about lack of connection or bad unhealthy connections like the the the, the gal and the and her father figure who I mean was such a, a negative yeah. influence on her so she she didn't have a healthy relationship to no towards anything or anything. towards anything yeah, yeah towards money towards anything yeah. and then in the other case just navigating life just having someone with a little bit of further life experience and about getting into a school can make a huge difference or or watch the kid while I'm going to a job interview or oh that's what how you use a car seat you know just some of those things basic stuff basic stuff I went to our apartment to um, just draw we did Christmas stuff for some of them and there was a creepy guy and that was watching her and she's like this guy creeps me out so what do I do I just like look at him and say leave this family alone that's all she needed. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have to be rude. I right. just, she, she, he was creeping her out, but she didn't have the confidence to do that. She needed somebody in her life to show her what it looks like. Were you like holding a knife? Yeah, right, like, right, like, right. I look I mean, really you look, scary. Yeah, you look really scary. <laughs> so I'd, like, I, I can imagine, I would, I would, I would back off too. <laughs> yeah, my kids were, you know, when I've been advocating for like, mom, did you get mean mom? Or did you? <laughs> no, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it yeah. goes back to they don't have the tools. That's right. Mm-hmm. Right? That's and right. so they weren't raised with tools. They don't know the tools. So like what you're saying is how do we give them the tools to not just survive but to thrive? That's right. And to change the story for even the next generation. That's right. Because just by you, uh, you know, stepping in, changing her life, you're changing four other lives. Four other kids. Minimum. That's right. And yes. then their kids. And then their kids. It's a generational Right. And so that's the beauty of it. We we think so short sighted. Mm-hmm. It's just I'm going to do this. But like you're changing the trajectory of these kids and their descendants, their lives, their lives, their legacy, what mm-hmm. they're going to do in this world and the impact they're going to have. And the, they're not going to go to jail and they're not going to have all these homeless poverty issues. I mean, potentially, but the odds are way greater right. now that they're never going to have to deal with this stuff. Right. So what you're talking about is transformational. Mm-hmm. Like because you're making these human connections, you're walking alongside. But I think for many people, there's a default. Maybe I, I'm sitting in church. I hear a message. I, I hear uh, the, you know, the Good Samaritan. I think, oh, I should make some bags to pass out at the people on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've literally seen that happen like oh, a yes. dozen times. Oh yeah, you know, for as as the application to that to that right. parable. Um, so that what often our default, what I would say, is a transactional approach towards yes. the poor. That way, I give them something quickly or something, and there's not that that's all wrong. That's right. But we often live in that world that everything is transactional. So how do we? Ch- how does that change where people stop thinking? transactionally towards the poor and become more 
transformational? Well, I can only tell you how it happened for me. Um, And I remember um, sitting at church years ago and um, our pastor saying, um, what is your holy discontent? And I was like, oh my gosh, people need jobs. Like they need jobs to get, whether you're living a, you know, mid middle class life or a life of poverty, whatever it is, what gets you to the next place? Mm -hmm. A job. You can own your own business. You can work for someone, whatever that's. So that was my, what I call holy discontent. So that took prayer that took, you know, understanding that. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you got to look around and see what does my community need? And I'm not talking about, you know, handing a $20 bill to the side, the guy on the side of the road. I I get that argument all the time. Or what are they going to spend it on? Well, it's, who cares? It's not yours to decide. If you feel, if God is telling you to do that, do that. <laughs> Give the money. But really look, what mm-hmm. is the issue in your community that you feel that is stirring your spirit? And so when it was jobs for me, and then I was seeing in, back in 2008 and nine just a huge recession happening, I was thinking, what? how can I help people with jobs? I have somewhat of a background in this. And um, that's when I went to my church and said, how can I can I have a space here to help people with jobs? And so that's how I started. What was a ministry has become a 501c3 nonprofit and has now helped over 50,000 people get jobs. And so, yeah, it's and that was because of the stirring. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, what we have to look at is what is our stirring in our heart? Is it? refugees? Is it um, an underserved community? Is it, what is it? It can be anything. And um, then we have to step into that and find how can we do that? Mm -hmm. And the church provides a lot of ways to get connected in different communities. I don't think everybody needs to go out and start something like I did. I just did because I didn't see anything else out there. Um, but there's so many nonprofits, there are so many ministries out there doing really, really great work. So digging in and finding out what those are in the communities in which you feel that stirring. Mm. And I think it's so easy to sit on the sidelines with our faith and somebody should do something. Oh. And we kind of take ourselves out of that place because it's like we feel inadequate. We don't know where to begin. And so we do nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I think I love what you did. It started with this holy discontent, the stirring and prayer mm-hmm. and asking God, OK, what is mine to do? Mm-hmm. And I know with me, the work I'm doing now, that's kind of how it started. Like, God, what is mine to do? You've showed me something that I I can't unsee. And I see that it's peacemaking. And that's how Amplified Peace came into mm-hmm. being, because it's like you see a need and you're like, I've got to do something about this. And I looked for somebody doing similar stuff because I'm like, I don't want to start something. But then when you, like you said, you go, okay, I think this is something unique that God's calling me to do. But I think just even to get people to say, start praying about it, like seriously pray about it, right? Where you're like, if God speaks to me, I will obey, right? Mm -hmm. Well, and if you're praying for something that... that's opening up your mind to right. the opportunity of doing something, right? It's not just sitting there watching or just providing uh, a gifts on Christmas. I mean, you're really, you have the opportunity to affect somebody's life. Right. And it doesn't have to feel overwhelming. And uh, it's just, uh, you're opening yourself up for prayer. And it's crazy, isn't it? How opportunities are provided when you do Absolutely. that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Okay, let's talk a little bit about, because you talked about the economics, and yeah. back then in 20, you know, 2008 and 29, okay, we have the same, you know, people are really concerned this year, mm-hmm. right? 
the economy, what's happening, yep. and how that affects the homelessness, how it affects you know, affects foster care. It affects so many things, right? Yep. Can you speak to that? Like, what are you seeing? What are some of the things? How would you encourage people during these times? Yeah, we see employers um, across the country uh, tightening their belts. And so because of inflation, higher cost of living, things like that. And so there are layoffs that have been happening um, at a much higher rate the last couple months than um, previous to that. Mm-hmm. Outside of the COVID you know, four or five months that there was excessive layoffs. But, you know, those, most of those companies came back. So we are seeing that happen. Uh, what I would encourage people to do is really look at um, their career or their job or what um, is uh, um, they're doing. And is that something that's needed in the community? as far as a job goes. So even young people coming out of foster care and like not knowing their next step, right? So how do we um, get in front of these young people early enough to say, these are the industries that are growing. Um, these are the um, types of jobs that if you go spend six months of your high school career getting this trade, getting this certification, you can walk out of here with a job that pays you 50 grand or more. Mm-hmm. And over the next five to 10 years, you're making six figures. And these are foreign concepts a lot of times to people that grow up in these communities of poverty or that they grow up in the foster care system. But those opportunities are out there. And so they just need to know we need to be um, able to show people that stuff. So jo- finding the jobs in which in the industries that are growing and the types of, um, whether it be trade or school education or whatever um, industry that's growing, that's important. And a lot of people that have been in their career for 20, 30 years might need to think differently about, you know, how the world is changing and what they used to do may not be as relevant Mm -hmm. as, you know, Mm -hmm. what's coming in the future. So yeah, really considering your job and is it relevant anymore? And I think it's a great opportunity for the church to step back and how can we take care of these needs and take care of families? You know, even once they have a job, what are some other things? What are some tools that we can provide? Um, how can we how can we be the good news yeah. to them, right, yeah. through Jesus? Well, and here's the other thing. There are so many people in sitting in church congregations right now that are extremely talented, <laughs> extremely mm-hmm. talented. You don't, if you're, Serving a church, awesome. But you don't have to be an usher. You don't have to be in children's ministry. Like if you are super talented in something, use that as your ministry to serve other people. Uh, because people, get, I think, get stuck sometimes in the reality of here's how I serve. You know, you can't. Where are you talented? What can you bring to our community as a whole mm-hmm. to change their lives? Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be in children's ministry, though that's great if you do serve a children's ministry, right? Yeah. But so many times we have this mentality in the church, there's only these few opportunities. That's right. right. Yeah. And there's none of these. But I love what you're saying to like the person that's leading a a, a a high profile company, mm-hmm. there's a place in the church for you to use your leadership. 100%. We, uh, I just brought, um, we have a great board of directors, and we just brought on the vice provost for the largest university in the United States. Onto my board, she's so talented and giving to us at no cost. And I thought, I think, like, where would I be without these people mm-hmm. that are helping mm-hmm. us move the needle? Like, what can you do? Where is your talents? And how can you use that to serve not only church, but the community? Because that's 
that's what we need to be doing. Mm-hmm. And so giving people tools to get out of poverty, to if, if you have a care for um, foster care, like where in foster care? Right. Maybe you don't want to be foster care parents, but how can you help a 17-year-old get ready to leave mm-hmm. and um, be self-sufficient? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, looking at all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And I think the importance of navigating government nonprofit and church like those that is where my advocacy work really started like i want those three entities um government nonprofit church and then um business business community community. i want those entities working together because that's when it's most powerful is when you get them all on the same page they don't all have to believe exactly the same thing but they want to have a better community and it's so brilliant when they do work but it's very very difficult to get them all together (laughs) yeah i'd say yeah Mm -hmm. everyone has their agendas and and goals and Mm -hmm. yeah and on Oftentimes the church doesn't come to the table or, or they want to be in charge, uh, which is weird. But, uh, but And sometimes government's tricky. But uh, yeah. of those four, I would say it, the church can be one of the trickiest. Yeah, and because know? I think there's a trust level there. Yeah. Um, and so you have to I, – I have a um, – one of my businesses I run is a consulting firm. I work with tons of churches. And so it's like my – it's one of my foots in the door, like foots – one of my feet in the door. <laughs> so I have, right, like I have that um, trust level there. So I'm able to easier make a um, introduction or a, a partnership between a business and a church. or Because at first when we were running on churches, um, companies were like, I don't know. I don't think we can go to a church site. And I was like, why? No one's there. It's Tuesday. No one's at church. (laughs) So like being able to understand that. And so having that trust. And so people within the church, if they're willing to step out and go talk to companies, go talk to um, government entities, it's, it's real surprising that they will open up. This has been a great conversation. Thank you so much yeah. for coming to our studio and just and hearing your picking your brain and hearing your story and what you've been what you're about. How can someone connect with the work you're doing? Just a- yeah, so careerconnectors.org is uh, the nonprofit organization. We run events for people looking for jobs. We have tons of resources and coaching, and it's all free. Um, we do virtual and in person. So careerconnectors.org would be the best way. Great. Hey, thank you so much. Yeah. Learns a lot, right? Yeah. Challenging us. Yes. Thank you, Lisa. Step in there and be an advocate. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Amplify Peace, educating, immersing, training, and launching peacemakers to build united communities. And by Care Portal, a platform connecting the needs of children and families in crisis to the local church. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.